Welcome to Misfits and Mystics Podcast, where we have conversations intersecting faith, mental health, artistry, and social justice. We're so glad you're here. So get cozy. But not too cozy, because we do keep it real on this podcast. Listen with care. And enjoy. All right. We are here once again. Me, Abra. Pause. What? <laughs> Why did you start like that? I don't know. I always start. All right, like, we are right. here again. That that's not how you start, but it's okay. <laughs> hey y'all, it's me. It's your girl, Alicia. You already know what it is. You know what it period. is. <laughs> You with this period. I know. I know you hate it. I I didn't hate okay. it until I went to this show. I'm not going to say what show it, it was because there are people who listen to this podcast. <laughs> they gonna already know. Well, they're little, but to, to protect people. I'm just going to say it was, it, it reminded me of our days at ISU. Like it was, I would remind. It took me back to like Greek scene days. Remember when I used to had Greek scene? Yes. Wow. Those were, the days. Those were the days. Do they? I don't know if they. Do they still have that? Is that still a thing? They tried to bring uh-huh. it back at one point, I, but like, well, they did bring it back, but like, it wasn't as big. And I think they did it like just that one year, and then it was like, all right, forget it. Wow. Well. Anyway, so I went to this show. It was a dance show and they had people hosting it. And like the both of the hosts, you know, it was it. it's I've, I've come to realize I used to think that this was just a church thing. But I realize now I think it's just a black people thing where we, you know, we love to have an audience mm-hmm. and we need people. We need other people to be just as hype as we are in order to feel validated in our hypeness. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're like, hey, y'all. And everybody's just kind of like, hey. And they're like, <laughs> oh, no, we got to do better than that. We got to do better than that. And you know how in church people be saying that too? Like, oh, no, this is the Lord we're talking about. If this is for me, that'd be all right. But, uh, you know, like yeah. we need, we thrive off of feedback, you know. Yeah. And I was really not in a good mood. Like I was there to support my friend. Um and see a good show. I was not ready for all of the hype shenanigans that were going on. And like the host, you know, every two seconds, period, period, period. Okay. <laughs> and just, I, I think because I was already in a grumpy ass mood and I was like, wow, I don't know if I belong here because I am just the Debbie Downer of the group. But yeah, but I was like, do how many times do we have to say period before we get it? You know, um, it's just one of the period is becoming one of those phrases, just like any other popular phrase. Remember when people used to say treated? <laughs> yes. They were like treated. Yeah, it's it's become yeah. that. It's become on fleek. <laughs> it's become by Felicia. It's yeah, all of which should have never it. been a thing, honestly. <laughs> Only because well, of white people. 
<laughs> in my opinion. Wow. But you know, we're we're not we're not even gonna get into how white people, you know, kill, steal, and destroy. <laughs> no, literally, that's that's exactly what it is. Yeah, that's crazy. Shout out to our white listeners. <laughs> Hashtag yeah. not all white people, but <laughs> but no. <laughs> um. But speaking of white people um, not being trash, I, <laughs> this is awkward. <laughs> I was like, wow, what a transition. Yeah, this is, wow, okay, what an awkward transition. But I just, um, um, wow, okay. This episode is going to be difficult um, because shit happens and a really shitty thing happened over the weekend. So originally I had this whole episode planned where we were going to talk about all of these horrible things happening in the world. And we were going to go on these like, you know, political rants, you know, and just kind of talk about all the problematic shit that's happening and what we can do about it. I had all these um, article references and, you know, I was just, about to proclaim shit as if I'm some sort of like prophetic voice, which (laughs) silly me. Um, (laughs) No, the universe had other plans. Um, On Saturday morning, I was humbled and forced to settle down as I received some devastating news um, that this world uh, lost one of the most enduring women of valor in history, in my opinion, and the opinion of so many others. Um, Rachel Held Evans passed away on Saturday. Um, And I am still trying to fathom what the world looks like without Rachel in it. Um, There's so much I could say about Rachel, but I'm still trying to fathom this new reality um, that she's no longer with us on this plane of existence. And um, this all might come out very discombobulated and jumbled up, but I'm going to attempt to paint a picture as to who she was and what she meant to me and as well as so many others. Um, I know that my words are really but a tiny speck of all that could be said about her and um, you know, cause I personally didn't know her. Um, but I also know that part of the reason why I am able to speak the words that I speak every week on this podcast, believe it or not, is because of Rachel, um, the groundwork that she set before us. And I feel like I owe her this moment to pause and reflect on her life and, what she was and still is to so many of us. Um, My one regret is not speaking some of these words sooner. It's been said, you know, a lot on social media and blog posts and articles. Like, you know, when people die, people are like, make sure you give the people that are living their flowers now. Um, And I used to like roll my eyes at that, but this particular loss has really um, refocused how I feel about that. Um, 
So I wish that I, I wish I had said more or like shown more gratitude or appreciation. Um, and I'm now in a place where I want to like be more in a posture of gratitude and reflection. So um, anyway, so Rachel Held Evans, who, for those of you who don't know who she is, um, she is a popular progressive Christian author, blogger, speaker. Um, Look her up. Her work is out there um, still and forever will be. Um, But she was a true to me, she was a true prophetic voice of our generation. Um, you know, she wrote books like A Year of Biblical Womanhood, Faith Unraveled, Searching for Sunday. Her most recent book, Inspired, I know Inspired has like brought people back to falling in love with scripture again and looking at scripture in a new way. Um, she's a speaker, a conference curator and host. Um, she was one of the hosts of Evolving Faith Conference, which I've talked about on the podcast before. Um, but she was, you know, more than that. She was an ally. She was a nurturer and encourager. She was a mother, a wife, a sister, a daughter, a friend. And for many people like me, she was somewhat of a digital pastor, (laughs) um, for those of us that have been unchurched for a while, um, her words encouraged to speak on controversial stuff, especially at a time when most were only scratching the surface. Um, she rustled many feathers within the evangelical church. She made us think, spoke to, to truth to power, took some mighty blows against the empires of injustice and fear. And with all of her fierce and mighty strength to call out the dumpster fire that culminates into this messy faith we call Christianity, her words also created and cultivated solutions, a new option, new perspectives, a new way of doing community that I believe reflects the kingdom of God. She forged a path for us misfits, outcasts, forgotten, oddballs, rejected and excluded. She invited us in, humanized us, gave us a voice and cheered us on. She shared her journey of wrestling with the big questions. She was authentic in her process of discovering and rediscovering over and over again who God is and how to engage in her faith and the world in which we live. Rachel was instrumental in changing the trajectory of many people's lives and vocations and journeys, including my own. Um, I recall sitting in my apartment on Kingsley Street in Normal, Illinois, right across the street from campus, just digesting her words through her books and her blog. I kind of became a little bit of a fangirl of her (laughs) for quite a while. Um, But her courage and tenacity to speak on things when other people weren't was so life-giving to me Um, in a time where I, I almost, I almost walked away from this whole thing. I almost walked away from God, from community, from wrestling. And um, she, she kind of spoke life into those dead places again. Um, she gave us permission to ask the hard questions. And after reading her book, Searching for Sunday, I began to really commit to the process of balancing the anger I felt 
while charging forward to cultivate new ideas and to not be afraid of them. Reading her words and following her example led me on a journey of seeking bravery and truth and inviting fresh perspective into what seemed to be an old, tired, dead faith. She alivened faith again for me and for so many others. In addition to all of this, Rachel was a beautiful example of what it means to be an ally. She did the deep and necessary work to address her privilege and use it to elevate people on the margins. She often set aside her own advantages and put herself on the line for the greater good so that everyone would be taken care of. She wasn't afraid to call out injustice wherever she saw it. She wasn't afraid to make mistakes and view correction as a gift and use it as an opportunity to teach others. She operated from a mindset of abundance instead of scarcity. I know of so many other great authors, leaders, innovators, and activists because she was always willing to plug them in their work, literally shouting them out from every inch of her blog, her Twitter page, and any other platform she occupied. And not only was she an ally, but as Adrian Neves put it, she was an accomplice to the dismantling of oppression. She truly was a model for white women everywhere on how to be better, especially when it comes to partnering with and walking alongside women of color in the arenas where we are often shut out. Um, Austin Channing Brown, one of my favorite authors, author of I'm Still Here, you should get the book, um, recently expressed her gratitude for Rachel, not just because she championed for her, but because she did tangible things to help steer the careers of so many like Austin. She talked about how Rachel not only encouraged her as a fellow author, but introduced her to literary agents and making sure Austin was being treated fairly. So many people can credit their careers and their platforms to Rachel, offering encouragement and handing over the mic to them. Her work and influence has given many of us the courage to walk in her truth. So many women who were told no, rejected in pulpits, platforms taken from them. Rachel helped to restore that and helped us pick up our microphones anyway. So many LGBTQ folk who were kicked out, abused, and told the vicious lie that we were unlovable, that we needed to change in order to be included in the family of God, that our lives and our existence were a threat to the gospel and to the well-being of our brothers and sisters. Rachel gave us another option. She affirmed us before it was popular. She reminded us that we are loved, we are included, we have a stake in this claim, and she helped mend what was broken. We owe her a lot. Rachel made so many people visible to me that I might not have known, and thus has created this network, this family of people, this group of misfits, mystics, rebel rousers, doubters, wanderers, and wow, what an amazing holy cloud of witnesses that truly reflect God's kingdom. Rachel's own word says, this is what God's kingdom looks like. A bunch of outcasts and oddballs gathered at a table, not because they are rich or worthy or good, but because they are hungry, because they said yes. There is always room for more. Rachel, like Christ, 
made so much room at the table for all of us. She reached out and let us all know that we were loved by God and that even if we weren't sure of all of the theological questions, we were held by his love. And I believe that Rachel Held Evans was and is certainly a child of God, loved by him, and is certainly adored and celebrated. Her legacy is one to celebrate, and I'm so proud that I was able to experience just a little piece of her in this lifetime. She saw the good in all of us. She had hope, even in the midst of so much sorrow and pain. And I hope that we can continue by picking up that mantle and using our own voices, resources, and energy to make the world better than we found it. She said, even here in the dark, God is busy making all things new. So show up, open every door. And um, I wanted to also like read this little thing that she, the last thing that she wrote, actually her last blog post before getting sick. And I think it's, it's, it's prophetic, it's eerie, but it's also very true. She says, whether you are part of a church or not, whether you believe today or you doubt, whether you are a Christian or an atheist or an agnostic or a so-called nun whose faith experiences far transcend the limits of that label, you know this truth deep in your bones. Remember that you are dust and to dust you will return. Death is a part of life. My prayer for you this season is that you make time to celebrate that reality and to grieve that reality and that you will know you are not alone. So with that, um, <laughs> I uh, I wanted to touch on um, just, a, just a little discussion about grief and loss, um, particularly within the realm of grieving people we may not personally know, but we're impacted by their influence in the world and how it's possible to have love for others um, that, you know, we don't maybe have like personal connection to, but, you know, they're, they're able to be like tangible to us in other ways. Um, I like have read so many like responses of people on Twitter and blog posts about Rachel's legacy and like, um, it's, uh, it's been overwhelming to see like how one voice, one life can like impact yeah. like so many people in so many ways. Um, and like, if you, if you want to like read those, just go on Twitter, hashtag because of R-H-E and like, it's just floodgates of like outpouring love. Um, there's some also like critics out there as well. Like I, I celebrate Rachel, but when she was alive, like she had a lot of critics, obviously. Um, she got on a lot of people's nerves um, for, for, for very good reasons. <laughs> um, and even in death, like people, you know, charge on the defense and charge with the, with the critique. And I don't wish to like, highlight those things um so much but it is part of the reality like when people die like there's this you know mixture of like how people process you know the the loss of someone and we then have to process like how we 
felt about them and like yeah so i don't know (laughs) first of all that was very nicely written so um thank you for sharing that um i as far as rachel you know i don't know too much about her besides just hearing you talk about her um but i have seen a lot of the posts from you like retweeting or liking things and um yeah it's a lot (laughs) um and i i follow one other person who um was speaking about her and her life and yeah she she just i'm saying that to say like she she sounds amazing um and it definitely makes me want to look more into the things Mm. that she accomplished while she was here um but as far as my personal experience on this topic i really can't think of anyone so first of all i haven't dealt with um loss in the form of death much at all um like thankfully Mm. i haven't really dealt with that and honestly i personally have not experienced grief outside of losing friends and that's not through death Mm -hmm. Um, so I really don't even know what that feels like and that's something that not that I worry about but I'm like I don't ever want to experience um especially well I mean it may be better at like you know my grown age than it would have been as a child um but I mean, I don't think it gets any better or anything, but you know, just me being at the age I am now and not experiencing um, death, it's like, well, okay, so let me take that back. I have, but not in the, this way that we're talking about. Um, and even when I did, it was like, I was kind of a little removed from those people. So the two people I can think about who I have lost um my theater teacher from high school um and my mm-hmm. aunt but like my theater teacher from high school passed two maybe three years ago now um and at that point I wasn't you know yeah. because I wasn't like a student under her um I was a little more removed now at that point I actually was um working at my high school like just helping out with the after school program um and so i would see her but even then like it wasn't in a space where i was like close to her or like you know with her all the time like i was in school so i think that Mm -hmm. removal of like me going to college and all that stuff brought that distance that when she did pass it it was still like shocking and I, i believe i did have like yeah. A moment of grief, maybe for like a day. Um, but then I just, mm-hmm. I don't know, I just kind of like, I was okay. Probably because like she was older. She wasn't like old, but she was older. Um, and I don't know. I just, I don't, I didn't feel too much. Like I have moments. So when I, I just went home last week for one day, literally. And, I went back up to my high school because my mentor works there. 
And as I was walking up the stairs to go see my mentor, I was like, oh, yeah, like in my head, I had this very quick like blurb of like, oh, yeah, I can go see her name was Miss Nesbitt. I said, oh, yeah, I can go see Miss Nesbitt. And it like clicked immediately like she's not here. Um, So that was really fucked up. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I've never I've never been in a, a space like that where I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah, let me go see this person. And like, I literally can't like it's not possible. So that was the first time that I experienced something like like that. And then as far as my aunt, like I hadn't seen her in years because her and my uncle haven't been together for years. And she moved to a whole nother state, like when I was still young. Um, So I didn't really have like a relationship Mm -hmm. with her like that. So um, with that, as far as feeling that grief, I think I felt the collective grief at her funeral um, like seeing, especially at the, I I hate saying this word because I feel like I say it wrong. Okay, the part of the funeral where they bury the person. Uh, the burial. <laughs> yes. Okay, the reason why I'm like I don't want to say it is because some people say burial and then some people like burial and I'm like, what is the word? Like it's I don't even know. Burial. Okay, you know, black people like you in know. there. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't really know what the word was. So at the burial, mm-hmm. um, the the funeral itself was like, you know, sad and, and stuff. And like, I felt that, but I really felt the grief at the burial, especially seeing my cousins, like, you know, being right there next to where they were, like, as they were lowering it. Um, and then my, um, my cousin's son, who has to be maybe like three, four. Mm -hmm. he like he started like screaming Mm -hmm. and I didn't know I don't I don't know I mean I still don't know if it was because of what was happening or if it was because of other things and him just being a kid like he literally could have just been hungry but in such a moment like an intense moment like that for him to scream right at that moment it just was like it was a lot it was a whole lot and to see like all these men in my family cry like the men in my family are not criers outside of like well I mean they'll cry like if, if it's something really going on but like the most I see like my dad cry or like my cousins cry is literally like in church like when they're in worship mm-hmm. so anytime I see the men in my family cry I'm like what's going on um, so it just was very intense um, to see so many people just like breaking down like I haven't been to many, many funerals like I said I haven't experienced it so just to see so many people like, <clears throat> excuse me, so many people experience such a heavy grief at the at the same time. Like at one point I felt like I was about to like fall to the ground because it was so heavy. And I was like, I, I literally remember turning to my sister and be like, I can't do this. And mm. I was about to just like walk off and go to my car. But then I'm just like, let me just, you know, push through it and like allow those emotions to to happen. Um, and it really was because I was I wanted to escape that moment. I didn't want to feel that anymore. Um, but I was just like, I mean, that's not fair because everybody else is going through this too. So yeah, um, yeah, it was. I don't know. I, I I guess that's like one thing that I don't I don't care for when it comes to a collective. Mm. Like you know, when you, it's like a crowd of people, like you know, singing. And this is this happy moment of like everybody singing together at a concert, at church, whatever. When you have those, um, what do you call it? 
I can't think of the word. I literally can't think of the word. But when you just have those really beautiful moments. Um, yeah. And it's like, wow, like I'm so grateful to be a part of this collective. I did not feel that at all. And not that I didn't want to be a part of it and I wanted everybody else to be a part of it. I didn't want any of us to be a part of it. Like, I didn't like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, as far as the whole internet um, or even people who actually know each other with the collective grief that's, that is happening uh, surrounding Rachel's death, um, I know that there's beauty in it. But honestly, um, from the things that I've seen you retweet, like, or even other people's posts, I've kind of been avoiding it because I'm like, I don't want to experience that feeling, especially for somebody that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because uh, I feel like we as a society, like, we're not trained <laughs> on how to deal with grief. Not, not at that all. there not that there really is a right way or a wrong way to do it. Like mm-hmm. I know like many people um who, you know, said I have to I have to step away from this collective moment because yeah. it's not helpful to me. Um whereas other people, you know, they need the collective to know that they're not alone or um you know, so I particularly with Rachel, like I know some people that I've talked to, like they're like, yeah, I've just been like listening to old podcast episodes that she was on, like The Liturgist, or uh, she was on so many, honestly. But um, that's just one podcast that comes to mind. Um, like her books, like can be found on Audible where she actually is narrating it so you can actually hear her voice like reading her own words. Um, You know, for some people that helps. For other people, you know, the sharing and the liking and the like um, being part of a collective where we can share in the memories and the stories and how like we've been impacted by her life. Um, For other people, it's like, writing and journaling and just being with loved ones um living out the sentiments in their daily actions um for me it's been a collection of all of it um unlike you i've experienced death and loss since the tender age of three um i can recall when you talked about your little cousin who was three or four screaming during that moment, I it, it took me back to this memory that I often speak on. Um, I usually speak on, speak on it in a joking way, but that's just like me like processing that. But um, my aunt had, one of my aunts had passed on my father's side and um I just, this was the first funeral that I have memory of. And he took, he had me in his arms and he said, now we're going to view the body. And she was laying there in that casket and I screamed, I yelled and I quenched and I retreated into my father's arms. And I said, no, daddy, no, (laughs) you know, wanting to avoid this, this body that lays before us and being faced with the reality of death and like to have that 
to to have that experience at such a young age and then it kind of create this catalyst for more death um, and more loss and more grief. I can say I've probably been to more funerals than I've been to weddings. And mm. like, um, and at a, at a very young age, I can recall uh, one of the deaths that really impacted me was the death of my cousin uh, who wasn't even like 21 years old, like 19, 20 years old, was shot and killed. Um, and I, I always remember that funeral service. I had to have only been like five or six, but just I, the, the images of my, my family members, the tears in their eyes, the, um, the solemn energy in the room. Um, but you know, not just with family, like, um, I think also because my dad was an associate minister at the, at our church, like whenever there was a death in the church, like my dad often had to be there, had to show up. Um, and I was, you know, a daddy's girl and I followed him all around. And, you know, if he was at Bible study, I was there too. If he was at teacher's meeting, I was there too. And so it was just inevitable that sometimes when there was a funeral, I'd be there too. Um, mm -hmm. And seeing, seeing the, and experiencing the collective sadness. Um, funerals, like, used to scare me and they kind of still do because, you know, especially within the black church where, you know, we lament very loud, loudly, you know, mm -hmm. um, hearing the wailing and the screaming and the physical manifestation that happens when you are coming to accept that the person is no longer physically here. Um, it's a lot. And I even reflect back to the death of my best friend. Um, she died when I was still in college. Um, she was only 22. And I remember, I remember that day I was literally laying on the couch watching Grey's Anatomy. And to this day, I still struggle to watch this specific episode of Grey's because it it takes me to a place of when I finish this episode, I'm going to get bad news. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I got the message and I remember literally vomiting like, because it was so jarring. And the thing was, is she was very sick. And so like, logically I should not have felt shocked. Um, I should not have been in a state of disbelief. Um, but it's just funny how like grief works. It sneaks up on you and comes out in very unexpected ways. And like dealing with the aftermath of that, of that loss, like to this day, I still, I'm still not completely like healed or recovered from it. And I don't think I ever will be. And I'm, I'm toying with the idea that maybe I'm not supposed to be mm. um, and that that's okay and that I'm not alone in it. But similar to 
that moment, because in that moment, I was in a place where like, I wasn't really around anybody that like knew her or had a context of her. Cause I was, you know, in school and like, you know, um, so in that process, like it was very difficult for me because there were a lot of people around me that like, didn't really know like how to sit with me in that grief because like, you know, life just keeps going on for everybody else. <laughs> um, but for me, life just seemed to just stop. Um, and I guess similar to like with Rachel's death, like it's it's a different kind of grief because like I wasn't personally connected. So it's not like the grief is so overwhelming in the way that like it was with my best friend. Um, but similar in the sense that like realizing that a lot of people that I am personally connected to, like, didn't have the same context that I have with Rachel. And so like sitting with my grief has sort of brought back that memory of like feeling a little bit alone in it because people not being sure like how to sit with me in that process, um, so it's been very comforting to like have a community of people on the internet, I guess. <laughs> um, in the same way that we as a community on the internet have come together in times of like triumph and celebration, um, here we are having to, to come together to, to sit with each other in times of sorrow and pain. Um, and just trying to like understand, I think that's the thing is like the understanding, um, particularly within this context, because like, if you didn't know who Rachel Held Evans was like before, like even before her death, like she was gaining more visibility because, you know, she was very sick and like that hashtag pray for Rachel Held Evans was like trending. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. And People who like didn't even know who she was, they were like, whoa, didn't even know this person existed. But she obviously has made impact on so many people to the point that like people that don't even people who like are cynical about prayer and God and hope were like clinging, clinging on to that hope. And um, just like it's just another reminder of like you know, we, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we hoped and we hoped and we hoped like every, every fiber in people like praying that she would wake up and then she didn't, um, has, has got me like going in the sense of like, why do we pray? What's the point? Um, you know, thinking back to like, my uh, experiences in church where, you know, we would kind of ride the wave of like collective prayers. And like, if we just pray hard enough, we just believe hard enough. If we have faith, you know, we're going to see God's miracle. Like I literally was like, this is going to be the moment where we see God's miracle, where we see revival. She's going to wake up and be restored and it's going to be this amazing like testimony and then it wasn't that <laughs> mm -hmm. at all um 
And yeah, I it it's got me a little shooketh. <laughs> just like just reiterating some of those questions. But the beautiful thing about it is like in this context of Rachel, like I her words are ironically is what reminds me to be comforted, to know that it's okay to feel this cynicism, this sense of doubt, to have questions, um, and to know that like, regardless of the confusion, um, that there's hope on the other side of it. And like, God's still with us in the midst of it. Um, so yeah, but I'm, I'm no stranger to death. <laughs> so I've learned to, uh, not master it. Like I'm still in the process of mastering it, but like, I don't know. It's, to some degree, it's been sort of normalized for me where I'm like, yeah, death's a part of life. And here we go again. You know, mm-hmm. let me, I'm ready to put my grief hat on and I, I know how to do this, you know? Um, so it is, I, I have trouble sometimes with people who haven't experienced a lot of death because I'm kind of like, it's one of those things where you're like, what do you mean you don't know what death is? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, it's kind of like those people who say they've never had like a grilled cheese sandwich. It's like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, yeah, death is like a, it's like a grilled cheese sandwich to me. It's like, yeah, of course. <laughs> Duh. It's like brushing your teeth. Duh. <laughs> um, but it doesn't make it any less difficult and I can only imagine the people that actually did know her and love her intimately like what they must be going through um because I like I said like losing family members and close friends over the years you just you never fully recover from it so the 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 fact that like her close friends were even able to like share the news, be a part of this collective grief among us and with us is like a testament to such strength because I don't know, a lot of people would probably just shut down um, and shut the world out, which is okay if that's what needs to be done. But like, yeah, I don't know. Grief is tricky. <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah, I don't know. All I can say is like, there's really no, there's really no right or wrong way to like do grief. But like, uh, I guess I can say that there are some things that people have said or done that like, haven't always been helpful (laughs) to me but maybe it's like helpful to other people I don't know but like the whole like cliche everything happens for a reason Mm -hmm. God doesn't put anything more on us than we can bear I'm just kind of like I just feel like statements like that are very disingenuous to the reality of what's happening um 
especially within like the you know churchy like christian context i think because we're like we're taught you know that all is well because jesus you know um and the narrative like jesus conquered death so there's really no reason to fear it or like be sad about it but i also look back to jesus with grief who's an excellent master of it like when jesus goes to lazarus his friend knowing that he will rise he still cries he still weeps Mm -hmm. for his friend um i i recall back to uh Jen Hatmaker's podcast for the love and she had Brene Brown on. And if you don't know who Brene Brown is, get on it. Uh, She actually has a Netflix (laughs) special (laughs) right now. Like everybody's always talking about Brene Brown. But anyway, um, one of the things that she, she said in that episode where she was talking about a moment in her childhood where they went to this funeral and the pastor, you know, was, spouting off all these cliches and be like we should not be sad we should not mourn we should be celebrating because you know so and so is in heaven with god and blah 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 blah. and she talked about how her mother was like you know asking her how did you feel about that and basically Brene and her mother coming to the conclusion that you know while it may be true that um we can find comfort in the fact that like this person is with God. Um, it doesn't negate like our own sadness and our own grief and our own loss and that Jesus weeps too. Jesus weeps for the loss too with us. Um, and I've taken that with me now and like, yeah, I think that it's, there's this like dual complexity of like, praise God, like for Rachel's life, praise God for the lives of those that we've lost, but also like, damn you. (laughs) Um, And I believe Jesus like holds space for us to like feel that. And he weeps right along with us. He mourns for the death of Rachel, just as we do now. Like, He mourns for the death of our friends. He mourns for the death of seasons in our life. Like, because grief doesn't always have to be about people like physically leaving this earth, but like any type of loss like that we experience, like is deeply devastating and deserves our genuine attention um, and reverence. Um. And he, he mourns with us and he understands at all while being glorified at the same time, yeah. you know? Absolutely. So, yeah. I don't know. She was a good woman and like, it was an awkward transition because we were talking about <laughs> white people being trash, but like, right. honest, so like Kevin Garcia, like he tweeted this thing where he was like, I don't trust straight people. (laughs) (laughs) And I like 
I think I replied like I don't trust straight people either and then I started thinking I love he don't trust white people either you know um, right but I can say truly 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 that even without like knowing Rachel personally like when it comes to like people of influence people that have power um and like some level of fame like I can truly say that Rachel was one of the few white people that I trusted to like do the right thing and to not be trash and um it's so like it's just so it feels so wrong like that someone like that is like taken away like taken out of this world and like people that are just like (laughs) can't even come close to the like grace that she embodied Mm. um like they're still here and like that's I know that's like kind of fucked up to say and to think but that's just like truth this this is the truth of like how it's honest feeling yeah and like it's like why it's it's that age-old question like why do bad things happen to good people um while the while the wicked like and the privileged just keep on benefiting from the blessings you know um but I I don't know. But who am I to who am I to measure someone's worth, you know? Mm-hmm. And what they deserve. Um because truth is is like none of us are getting out of this thing alive. <laughs> Um, we're all gonna, we're all gonna bite the dust someday. And, um, so in due time, like people will, will have to meet their maker, you know, and, um, it just, the human in me is, it just feels wrong. You know, nothing is, nothing is right. Like Donald Trump is our president and, you know, (laughs) Rachel is no longer in the world, but I hope that I hope and I know that like her example is like going to empower others to like do the necessary work mm-hmm. that like bends towards justice um, and bends towards grace. Um, I believe she was a she was a beacon and a vessel of light and love and like God truly did use her um for for glorious things and um it's not the end it's just the beginning I think she has in her in her death like is wielding like and revitalizing a movement that she started um and hopefully like those of us that like are part of that, we can just continue in that um, and pick up the mantle and just keep going. Um, Jesus said, greater work she'll do, you know? And um, if that's true, if that's true for that, like greater works will do, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm sad as fuck, but I'm excited too, because like, um, 
yeah, there's gonna, I feel like this is gonna wield like even more like greatness in the world to where everything that seems wrong is gonna be made right again. Um, and Rachel, she believed in resurrection. She believed in the resurrection. She often talked about resurrection. And so I am a resurrection person too. It's something that I'm deep. This The one thing that keeps me bound to this like Christian life. Um, you know, if there's one thing that makes me a Christian, it's that I believe in resurrection. Um, so it's not death does not equal the end it's just a transition to the next the next phase of everlasting life that just keeps going and going and going energy cannot be destroyed so yeah she's still here just not in the way that we can fathom or understand but uh yeah resurrection is here it's been here and it's coming so yeah i don't know all that (laughs) (laughs) and a bag of chips (laughs) y'all i'm awkward as hell so (laughs) um but yeah I think it's interesting that you, I mean, I've known this about you, like your experience with grief or lack thereof, (laughs) but I guess how are like other, but I know you've lost things Mm -hmm. in your life. And like, I guess my question to you is like, how do you usually like, process that grief of losing something or someone um hmm. I mean ever since I learned that grief is a good thing um I I pretty much just allow myself to be so I can't say that there's like one specific way that I go about it. Um, it's just whatever I feel. <laughs> um, I can say one one um, one experience of grief. If this is grief, would you consider grief um, like after a relationship ends? Absolutely, Lauren. Grief, you- grief, grief is is basically about loss and like right if i said i was asking lauren i said would you consider like experiencing grief after a relationship ends yes okay okay we all agree okay yes yeah so i guess like so that would be different from me losing friends um losing friends where i've experienced grief um like i said i just allow myself to be and that's usually like you know, some frustration, some some anger, uh, a lot of sadness, um, going through the moments of like, depending on the situation, I, I usually don't get to this moment, but I have gotten to a space where I'm like, 
when you, you know, when you get to that space where you're like, well, I did this and I was this to this person and, and they, um, you, you know, you start to like compare like their friendship with other people and like how they're able to work that out and you know, all of that shit. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I don't, I don't like being in that space. So I'm usually like, okay, yeah, no, we're going to stop that because it doesn't matter, you know, who I am or what I did when the relationship ends, it just ends. Right. You know, I don't need to, you know, try to figure out what I did wrong or why this person is better than me to be able to stay in their life. Like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Um, but I mean, that has been a part of my process. Um, yeah. So it's just like a lot of emotion and just like allowing myself to go through those emotions. And usually I try to journal, um, definitely learning like to, um, to work through those emotions and not, sometimes not just letting them be um, because it can get bad. Um, but going back to what I was saying about the whole relationship thing that I can say was definitely different. Um, actually, two situations. So I think I kind of spoke of it before, but, you know, going back to the good old year, the best year of my life, 2015. <laughs> <laughs> um that situation that happened at the end of 2015, um, I definitely, I, I definitely know that I experienced grief with that. Um, and for that, it wasn't, it was so many layers to it. So I think it was the loss of what I thought my reality was. It was loss of relationships that I, again, going with the reality thought were, a certain way, which means I expected people to react and to talk and to treat and to love me and to hold me a certain way and not experiencing those things, but experiencing the complete opposite. So that was definitely another level of grief. And then working, not even working through that, but going through the emotions that I experienced after that, um, the grief of feeling like I lost my relationship with God um, the grief of feeling like I didn't know who I was anymore, like at all. Like it almost felt like my entire life was a lie, which wasn't mm-hmm. true at all, but it just, I didn't know how to deal with what I was feeling. Um, so I, I kind of just like started that grief caused me to abandon a lot of things, including myself. Um, <clears throat> so I've experienced that. And then when it comes to like after a relationship ends, that grief, <laughs> let me just tell you, let me just be very honest. I, I dealt with both of these situations, the grief that came from the 2015 and, and the relationship ending. I dealt with both of those levels of grief terribly. Like I did a horrible job. And not that you need to, let me just say this for everybody else, not that you need to, you know, um, rate how you dealt with it. That's not the case at all. But I just know looking back, had I been, I don't even know, had I had better support, had I been more open, um, there were a lot of things that could have just been and it wasn't. Um, And that's just what it was. It's fine because I'm an amazing person now, period. Um, (laughs) But yeah, just the, the grief of losing the relationship and, and it really, like, it really was a loss for me. <laughs> um, was 
so bad because I was still like dealing with depression, still dealing with the stuff from 2015. Um, I didn't know how to handle any of those emotions. That was definitely a time where I, I started like drinking and smoking a lot. Mind you, I was smoking freaking black and mouse. Like what? Mm. It, it was, it was a very interesting, weird, terrible, dangerous time. Like very dangerous. A lot of times during that state of grief, I, um, I just didn't want to be like, I didn't want to experience the emotions and stuff, but then I did also have some times where I, I just like, I wanted to kill myself and I was just like, bro, this is just too much. Like, I just want to be completely over it. Um, and that's, you know, that is part of grief sometimes, but, um, listen, <laughs> the grace of God. Okay. The hand mm-hmm. of God, because seriously in that space, this is when I was staying with, um, when I first moved back to where I live now, I was staying with a friend and she works like a million jobs. And so oftentimes I was at her house by myself. So like, if you really think about that, had I not had, you know, God holding me or even just the the thoughts of me pulling myself back, thinking about like my parents and, you know, people who love me and all the good things that, that um, grounded me had I like lost my mind, like I really felt like I was losing my mind, it would have been easy because she wouldn't have been there for like hours. And then there were times where she like left town to go visit her family because she had stuff going on within her family. So I really had the space, the opportunity and the time, but I didn't. Thanks be to God. So the ways that I've dealt with grief have been different um, but I think that now that I am more stable, I'm more aware and more open to my emotions, but I'm also more stable in my emotions. Um, I, I try to just like let myself be, and I try to talk to people, um, being, being open with others in my emotions is still a bit of a struggle. Um, but I always try to push myself to do so, not to bring anybody into my grief because I don't, like I said, I don't like collective grief, but mm-hmm. um, you know, there are people who will walk you through those things or just be there like whenever you need them, not pressuring you to like, let me help you out, <laughs> but um, just be like, you know, I'm here when you need me and, and seriously being there when you need them, so. Yeah, there's not one way yeah. I can say, like, this is how I deal with grief. It, it seriously just depends. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say the same thing about myself. It really depends on the situation, the people involved, where I'm at in my life. Um, I mean, yeah, I would say similar to you, like, there have been times where I've not dealt with grief in the most healthy way and has caused me to spiral and praise be to God, like, um, for not allowing me to completely lose it. Mm -hmm. Um, And then even when I did completely lose it for the divine intervention, a peace, a moment of 
peace enough for me to reach out for the little help that I got in that moment (laughs) to get me to a place of stability before things just really like crumbled into flames. Um, (laughs) But yeah, definitely say now I have much more of a grip on like how to manage this like dumpster fire of, uh, you know, life, I guess. Um, Yeah, there's, like I said before, there's really no right way uh, other than making sure that like, however you're processing it, that it brings forth like life and not um, destruction or total. I think some, in some ways, self-destruction is necessary, um, but not to the point where we're totally like annihilated, if that makes sense. Um, So yeah, I'm thankful that you're here with us. (laughs) Thank you. And that you're stable. Yes. No, seriously. Um, seriously though, very, very grateful to, I'm grateful to be alive. Mm-hmm. Um, because as you know, these past few weeks, I have been struggling. Um, I hate that, you know, tragedies have to like shake us <laughs> back to, uh, reality. Um, but man, I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful for the people in my life. Um, when I tell you I, I've been hugging my mother so tight <laughs> um, these past couple days, um, it's easy to forget like the love that really is around us when we're like in a tunnel of darkness. Um, but man, <laughs> I'm I'm grateful to be here. <laughs> so, and to like share the space with you, no matter how far that space is. <laughs> <laughs> um, and to hold space for, for everybody. Um, that's a part of this collective thing. Cause yeah. Because I'm, I'm gonna, I want to challenge. Like, even though, like, you're not a fan of collective grief, I don't think there's a way of like truly avoiding it as long as we're all connected. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you may not be a a full active participant in it in the same way that other people are, but just as a member of the human family, I think we all are tethered wow (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah no pun intended there um we're all tethered (laughs) to to the collective story and reality that is life and if death is a part of life then grief is a part of it and there's just no escaping it um and so all we have all we have is to like deal with it in the way that we deal with it um so 
Yeah. But yeah, this was a, a solemn episode. Sorry, guys, to be the Debbie Downer. It wasn't that bad. The- <laughs> Tried to make bring some humor into it because, as Alicia says, it's never that deep. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if that applies to this situation, but yes. <laughs> it is oh, it is that deep. Yeah, this uh, is definitely that deep. Yeah, it is that deep. I wrote something like the other week um because your your um I don't know, you're like your saying of it's not that deep it often pops up into my head um a lot and sometimes it comforts me and other times it pisses me off as you know mm-hmm. and i was like i i can't even find it it's not even that important but i basically was like if it was never that deep then why did I have to bury it so tight, you know? Um, so it is that deep sometimes, but um, I think your sentiment is basically like, no matter how deep it is, there's always a way out yeah. of, of it. No need to bury ourselves even further into the ground. Um, seek life. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um well, if there is nothing else, we can move into shameless plug. Shameless plugs this week. We don't really have uh that many. Uh while we're on the subject, there is a GoFundMe page for Rachel Held Evans family. It was initially started when she Uh, was admitted into the hospital to cover medical expenses and that GoFundMe is still up because that family is still going to have to deal with a lot of medical expenses and I would imagine also um, funeral arrangements and other things. So if you want to give to that, we will link that GoFundMe page in the show notes and also if you are the praying type or just want to send out positive energy to Rachel Held Evans family, loved ones, friends, the communities that she impacted, um, you know, just, just send up those prayers, send up those good vibes. Um, I know that we all feel them and I hope that the family of Rachel feels them and knows how loved and wonderful she was. I'm sure they do, but yeah. Um, in other news, more joyful uh, news, I wanted to reiterate that I am starting a new class called Mystic Flow. It is basically merging spirituality and faith and how that um, informs us as movers, as artists, as dancers. So if you are a creative of any kind, but particularly those that work within the realm of dance or movement, and you also are a person that is interested or already 
embodying this practice of, you know, finding new ways to engage in your faith or spirituality. Um, This class is for you. And this class is primarily going to be taught in found movement groups new space that is opening pretty soon. Um, And when I have more information about that, I will certainly pass that along to all of you. But I'm also in the piloting stages of testing the waters with this class because it's basically a new framework that I've never really done in a public sphere. So this is one big, great experiment. So if you want to be part of that experiment, um, I will be doing a couple of pilot classes, some here in Nashville, but also some in Illinois. I will be in Illinois July 26th through August 10th. So if you live anywhere between the Champaign, Peoria, Bloomington areas, all the way up to Chicago land areas, some of the suburbs, if you live anywhere within that realm of Illinois, I would love to pilot this class with some of you as well. Uh, So you can um, inquire about that through emailing this podcast, misfitsandmysticspod at gmail.com, or you can reach out to me directly and I will have all of my information in the show notes as well. Also, it is Mental Health Awareness Month, which we talk a lot about mental health on this podcast. So just wanted to show some reverence and respect and, um, you know, just make sure that everybody's taking care of their mental health. It's important. And just reflect on the ways that you are normalizing talking about mental health and how you're dismantling some of those stigmas. Let us know by reaching out to us on social media or emailing us or however you do what you do. So yeah. And I am going to close out with song of the week. Usually Alicia does it, but she's so graciously, um, said that I should lead this and um this song this song that's been on my heart for the past couple of days is a song by Audrey Assad who is a great and wonderful artist who her music has saved my life plenty of times so if you don't know who that is I highly recommend you check out her work but her song Little Things with Great Love is the song that I am going to attempt to sing. I don't claim to be this wonderful singer, but in the spirit of collective mourning um, and collective hope, I bestow this song onto you and all of you and just hope and pray that whatever you're going through in life, that you know that you're not alone that you are held, that you are loved, um, and that we're here. We're all here for you. We're all part of this collective story, this collective energy, this collective space of what it means to be alive and what it means to be human. And I'm so, 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 so grateful um, to be a part of this collective thread. So, yeah, here we go. In the garden of our Savior No flower grows unseen 
His kindness reigns like water on every humble seed. No simple act of mercy escapes his watchful eye. For there is one who sees me. His hand is over mine In the kingdom of the heavens No suffering is unknown Each tear that falls is holy Each breaking heart a throne There is a song of beauty in every weeping eye. For there is one who loves me. His heart, it breaks with mine. All the deeds forgotten. All the works unseen, every drink of water flowing graciously, every tender mercy you're making glorious. This you have asked of us. Do little things with great love. This you have asked of us. Do little things with great love. Do little things with great love. At the table of our Savior. No mouth will go unfed And his children in the shadows Stream in and raise their heads Oh, give us ears to hear them And give us eyes to see for there is one who loves them. I am his hands and feet. For there is one who loves them. I am his hands and feet. We want to thank all of our listeners for tuning in. Continue the conversation with us. Develop a community with other misfits and mystics like us and get your latest updates on shameless plugs and other news by following us on social media. We are on Instagram at Misfits and Mystics Pod, Twitter at Misfits Mystics, and we also have a Facebook page that you can like and share. Want to reach us directly? Shoot us an email at misfitsandmysticspod at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. And with your permission, we might give you a shout out on future episodes. 
Don't forget to subscribe on whatever streaming service you're using to stay up to date on newest episodes being released. Leave us a review on iTunes to help us gain more visibility. Plus, we appreciate the feedback.